not you directly, but a friend, a co-worker, or worse, a family member. Opiates are destroying our communities, from Watchill to downtown Providence and all over America. 70,000 people died due to an accidental overdose in 2017. 47,000 of those were opiate-related. We have to stop addiction. On April 13th, I'm asking you to join me at the second annual Joseph P. McDonald Memorial 5K, being held at the Temple of Music at Roger Williams Park. Last year, we raised over $100,000. We need your help. JoJo lost his fight with addiction, and we are honoring his memory, along with many others who have lost and won the battle to addiction. All proceeds are going to benefit Teen Challenge of Rhode Island. For more information on this event, please visit josephpmcdonald5k.com. And I hope to see you on April 13th. Together, we can end addiction. Good morning. Calvary Chapel is coming through strong at our 5K, too. We got like 30 people from the church registered. Thank you guys so much for coming out and supporting us in this event. It really is such a huge time to really celebrate those who are walking in victory as well as remembering those who have lost their lives uh, and lost the battle to addiction. So thank you so much. We're so happy to be back here at Calvary Chapel. I haven't been here in a, quite a few years. I've been here a few times. Uh, my name is Tabitha Mello. Um, I actually just got recruited back uh, June uh, 2017. I was gone for a couple years. Um, God like pulled me right back into the fold here, and I'm training to be the director of the program, the assistant director now. So when God just says uh, go, you just say okay. Right? Amen. So I'm so happy to be back here. There is so much like fruit out of this church. I was just thinking of, you know, this this particular body here. Um, be encouraged because this is this is the work of the church. You guys are doing the work of the church here. You know, I don't know if you guys um, know how much Lisa and Alex Moore serve us um, on a weekly basis. Um, one of my biggest prayers when I got back to Teen Challenge was, God, bring people to help ease the burden of discipleship. You know, it was, there was so much to do, but the, we know the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are really few. And to work on the front lines with um, people who are in the midst of healing from addiction is definitely not the first choice of anybody. So I'm just so grateful for, like, Lisa and her dedication um, and Alex coming out weekly to serve our home and being obedient to whatever God has put on their heart to ease that, that burden. And it's really an answer to prayer. And this is the fruit of the local church. This is the fruit of good preaching. This is the, the fruit of good pastoring. So I just want to say thank you, Calvary Chapel, for really being a reflection of God's love and grace and mercy it's right here in Rhode Island, right at Teen Challenge. And then, of course, the whole testimony with Patrick coming on board, too, was just such a huge testimony of uh, long answered prayer. For about a year and a half, we were praying for a choir director. And I was like, every day I was in Deb's office like, we need to, like, recruit somebody. Like, what are we going to do? She's like, we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God. Like, this is a year and a half we're waiting. And long story short, just through an email I sent out, and uh, God brought us, uh, and we just recently hired Patrick as our choir director, and many more creative arts and helping us with music, and he's a musician too. So, again, there's so much fruit from this church. So thank you for stepping up and doing all that God has called you to do. 
um, in the community. It's it really refreshes and encourages you know my heart in a personal way because this is really what I what are the, some of the things I was praying for. So I'm a proud graduate of Teen Challenge as well. Uh, Two thousand and two, God brought me into the program. Um, I had tried everything to become free from addiction, um, but I had got radically saved July 16, 2001. Um, God regenerated my heart that day, and I knew that I needed Jesus. I didn't grow up with any kind of knowledge of God, but when he saved me, I knew that he was the way. I knew that he was the truth, and I knew that he was the life, but I didn't know how to walk with him. I didn't know any Christians. I didn't know how to read the Bible. So Teen Challenge for me was a huge answer to prayer. I had spent six months uh, before I came to Teen Challenge in prison, and I just learned to read the word. I learned how to say no to my flesh and yes to what God had wanted me to do. That's all I learned how to do in jail pretty much because it was my third time there, except for my first two times it was more of like a dry spin. The third time things were different. The third time like the scales had dropped from my eyes, and I, and I saw like it for what it was. And I was determined to follow after Jesus. He answered my prayer in jail by bringing me to Teen Challenge. And it was there God began to do a major heart surgery in my life. He began to radically reprioritize some things in my life. Um, I began to learn how to surrender. You know, I, I began to, like, lay down my own agenda, um, you know, at... 19 years old, I definitely thought I had everything figured out, you know. Um, I definitely thought I knew what was best for me in life. But there's so many testimonies of just in the fact of laying down what I thought I wanted to do and trusting that God's way was the better way. And this is what Teen Challenge taught me to do was really submit to this process. Um, there was so much healing that needed to take place. I, I really think my biggest testimony was learning how to, like, receive God's forgiveness and then learning how to forgive other people and then, again, learning how to love people. And that's what he taught me to do when he called me to full-time ministry when I was 21 years old to serve in the very program that I went through. So 13 years later... I've worked in variety of capacities, and my biggest testimony will always be his amazing grace to sustain, to empower, to help me trust him with every decision and every move that I make in life. Um, he has blessed me in so many ways, like, I don't, I mean, I don't even really like to talk about the things because it really overwhelms me when I think about, like, where I was. Uh, Patrick's been telling me I, I have to, like, share more of my story, so I'm, like, working on this here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm going on, like, 13 years being married this year. Uh, this is a testimony because I never thought that I would ever, ever allow someone into my heart. But this is the work and this is the grace of God that he like softens our hearts and he allows us to like receive love and then to give love. You know, I own my own home today. I, I'm a productive member of the community. I pay taxes. 
Hey, that's a testimony. I, I was always looking for a way out before. And most importantly, I have the ability and the, the, uh, the, great, the great privilege to wake up every day and to be able to serve in the perfect will of God for my life, which is in, you know, Teen Challenge, Rhode Island. So there's so much to testify about. Uh, we're, the, what the Teen Challenge difference really is, um, is it's the Jesus factor. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that radically uh, changes people's hearts from the inside out. We don't, we don't move people on in the program based on sobriety. <laughs> we don't move people on saying, okay, you've been clean 30 days, you've been clean 60 days, it's time to move on. We move people on based on the growth that they're experiencing Christ. And no one's going to be perfect, but if they're memorizing some scripture, there should be some fruit from memorizing that scripture. So we move people on through five phases of the program, and it's all gospel-centered and biblically-based. And the Teen Challenge difference is well, the people that work at Teen Challenge are called by God to work at Teen Challenge. We're not just hiring anybody that throws in a resume. They have to have a serious dedication and commitment to work there. Uh, we're celebrating 25 years at Teen Challenge Rhode Island. 25 years ago, Pastor Jackie founded our program, and through her faithfulness and her vision, we were, a were able to um, help thousands of women now uh, who went from brokenness, you know, to healing from death to life. One of our biggest testimonies over the past year is that we actually opened up our first transitional home now. Huge answer to prayer that we actually have a place, a safe place where women can come from the program. And if they don't have a place to go, they can actually go and begin to transition and for a uh, one-year commitment. They have to be plugged in with the local church. They have to have a mentor. So there is some, you know, uh, structure to it. Uh, we actually have about six ladies there right now. One of our ladies is just doing tremendous. She came to us and, uh, with a life-controlling problem of agoraphobia. She couldn't even leave the house to get her mail. She spent like 10 years like just in her house, like in bondage. And uh, God has radically changed her life. And she's, you know, working at a manufacturing company right now, like, my God. So she's there with us. We're so happy to have her there. So uh, feel free to, you know, like uh, your pastor said, um, the visit the uh, table after. We have all of our goods, you know, um, bracelets, books. We have tons of great evangelism tools. Those Change Live books are really great evangelism tools. So feel free, you know, to grab a couple. And we just love to fellowship with you. And we're going to go right into, like, the bulk of our presentation. We're not a professional choir here. We're, get, we're definitely sounding better since Patrick's, like, helped us. <laughs> um, but we are not, like, professional. But we, we have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. We have a story to tell about God's amazing grace and amazing love. And we just like to shout his praises. And we like to testify to the power of his gospel. That's our mission. And we hope that we are a blessing to you in the process, that we are encouraging to you. So oh, one more thing. If you love us... Make sure you like us on Facebook and give us a little follow, okay? Thank you.
worship with us. Hi, my name is Alicia. I'm 29 and I've been in Teen Challenge for a little over eight months now. Growing up, I was born and raised in a Christian family with mom, dad, and brother. And even though my parents did their best to give me everything that parents should give their children, you know, love, acceptance, protection, I suffered from abuse and bullying um, at an early age throughout most of my childhood, which led to feelings of anxiety, depression, not being loved, not being accepted. And these feelings progressed and got worse and worse over time. I started partying to feel the acceptance that I thought I needed from people. Um, I started drinking, experimenting with drugs, seeking out relationships that were very unhealthy. And I just chalked it up to, oh, it's just a phase. It's just a party phase. Everyone goes through it. You know, I'll grow out of it. Unfortunately, after the birth of my second daughter, 
um, my relationship with their father was suffering very severely to the point where him and I both turned to using crack to um, kind of help out with the relationship. And it seemed to make things better for a very, very short time. And then things just completely went down the drain. And it wasn't too much longer later that I confessed everything to my parents and they took custody of my girls and I sought help. And I gave my life to God a couple days later and he, over the next month, showed me that I needed to go to Teen Challenge. And I entered the doors and I haven't looked really, I really haven't looked back. It's, it's helped me learn to forgive the people of my past. It's helped me just continue to move closer to God. And right now I'm in a really, really rough season of fighting um, internally, my flesh against my spirit. It was very difficult. I went home on a pass this past weekend um, and it was a great time with my kids. I, you know, I was more of a mom to them than I had been in the past. And it was, it was a great weekend. Unfortunately, I struggled to do things that I want to do, like read my Bible and be close to God. And in that, he showed me that I really need to come back to Teen Challenge, even though my flesh wanted me to do nothing more than stay. And throughout all the struggles, I remember the verse that he gave me, which is James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith will produce perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so through that verse, I'm learning to not just persevere, but to find the joy yeah. in it. That's good. So thank you so much.
She felt worthless. She felt rejected. She knew abuse and neglect from an early age. She was oppressed by guilt and shame. When she looked in the mirror, all she saw was the shell of a mother who abandoned her child. But God. But God, through his word, has promised me that today I am nothing that the world said that I was. Today I am forgiven, and I also have the ability to forgive. I am not worthless, but I am worthy. I am not rejected, I am accepted. I am not a mother who has abandoned her son, but today I am a mother who is trying harder than ever to be a part of her son's life. Today I am a woman who walks clothed in strength and dignity, and I laugh without fear of the future because I know that I am a daughter of the Most High God. Jesus, thank you for saving my life. I love you. first time talking to a microphone. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. My name is Jessica. I'm 30 years old. I've suffered from uh, fentanyl, crack cocaine, and meth addiction. Um, when I was 12 years old, I was given my first drug. It was Ambien. It was by my father, who that night raped me. So for a long time, um, I was really sad and really scared. I suffered a lot of fear. So I turned to the only thing I could find, which was drugs, to take that away. Mm, until... September, I, um, I was arrested. I was a maximum security inmate at Prince William County Adult Detention Center in Virginia. That's where I came here from. When I came to Teen Challenge, I felt right at home. They asked everybody here to choose a verse that means something to you. My verse is Isaiah 35, 4. And that verse is, um, Say to those with an anxious heart, stay strong and fear not, for your God will come with vengeance, and the Lord will save you with his power, you know. And God showed me his vengeance when he put me in that jail cell, and he showed me his power when he wouldn't let me out. The judge told me I wasn't coming here when I went to court, but thank God he wasn't God, because Teen Challenge and my lawyer got me out. <laughs> and when I came, 
all these girls behind me, we all have really different stories, but we all teach somebody something, you know. They teach me humility. I have suffered from a lot of pride. I never want to tell anybody when something's wrong, you know. Um, they teach me tolerance because I'll stuff my anger, you know what I mean? So, um, but I love them all, even when they make me so mad <laughs> that I have like, nothing left, you know what I mean? But God has filled me with this joy, and every day when I wake up and I see these girls' faces, I know I'm going to learn something, and I know that God gives me this love. He's my eternal rock now. I don't have to fear anybody. I'm, I'm in his love, and I'm, I'm diligently seeking his love every single day. And I just want to thank you all. I love you guys. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for bearing your hearts today. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable in front of a lot of people. Um, but we know that God is healing us, you know, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. So our testimonies are so powerful uh, for us and for you. We, hopefully, we hope that you've been encouraged. Your faith has been strengthened uh, that you will go out and want to share your testimony and what Jesus has done in your life. Amen. Um, and you can always use our testimonies as well. I, I do have one last uh, ask for you today. Um, I just wanted to tell you quickly about our Dollar Day campaign that we just run all of the time every year. This is a huge, huge help to keeping our basic operational expenses of our program. Teen Challenge does not receive any kind of government funding except a small portion from food stamps. Um, we do not receive any kind of insurance funding. Uh, but with that said, when some programs uh, don't accept a certain kind of insurance or if there's a process going and the insurance runs out, they kick you to the curb kind of thing. Teen Challenge doesn't turn anybody away based on finances. So what we do is we run a dollar a day program. It's $1 a day, $30 a month for a year program. And we just ask if that, if you feel that you want to partner with us and what God's doing right here in Teen Challenge, you can see and you can experience the work that God's doing in our hearts. You heard from Jess, um, you know, what God's doing right now. It's a painful process, but he's able Amen, Jess. Kayla, she's overcoming, like, her confidence is building in Christ. We're teaching these ladies not to put their confidence in the world, but confidence on the word of God, right? So when that they leave, like, nothing will shake them because they're strong in him. And that's what Teen Challenge is doing. You know, you hear what God is doing in Alicia. Alicia is just, like, learning to become a mom again, like, learning to put her priorities back in order. Amen? So if you feel led today, just partner with the work that God God is doing in our home, then we would love for you to be part of this campaign that we run. It's a dollar a day. Um, we have a gift for you. Um, and if you wanted to do like the full sponsorship for the year, that would be awesome too. But we do want to ask, we want to put out there whatever the Lord, you know, puts on your heart to do with us. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Pastor Rich, for having us again this year. Uh, thank you, Calvary Chapel, for all that you do for the kingdom of God. Be encouraged because you are making a difference. Amen.
Wow, was that great or what? That was awesome. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Let's open our Bibles, the Gospel of John chapter 6, please. John chapter 6, we're going to pick it up where Patrick left off last week. He gave an, a great message about much more than a meal, much more than loaves and fish, where Jesus fed the 5,000 plus. Incredible passage, but like he, like he pointed out, a familiar passage. And sometimes we, you know, we, we just pass over the ones that are real familiar, but there's stuff we got to learn there. And, you know, the... The couple of things that Patrick pointed out, you know, is that the, the Lord cares. He cared about those people. Amen. And, and we also saw that, that the boy gave everything. He gave it all to Jesus. Not the leftovers, but he gave it all. He just gave it to him. And, and the Lord used it in incredible ways. And I like what Patrick said. He said, Jesus can and will do amazing things when we bring all of what little we have to him. We sometimes think, well, I don't have anything to bring. I don't have a, you know, a lot. But, but it was a little boy that just had a little bit that made a huge difference in thousands of people's lives. Incredible. Incredible. So today, uh, we're going to carry on from there. And I want to ask you the question, uh, is there anything impossible in your life today? Anybody? Just raise your hand. No. You're all together. you got it all happening. You know, let's, let, me, let me give you a little, little help with this. You know, in this world, in your life, you know, how about to just live for Christ? How about to love? To love God, to love someone else. How about to actually serve? Do you have anything? How about to give? How about to forgive? We heard that mentioned a few times in the testimonies. To forgive someone. You know, how many times you said you, you, you just know in yourself that it's, it's impossible for me to forgive that person for what they did to me. It's impossible. How about to do the right thing? Sometimes it's just not, it's impossible for me to do the right thing. It's impossible for me to be set free. How about this? It's impossible for me to accomplish something. Now, that's, that can be simple or that can be big. Just some of, sometimes it's just impossible for us to do the, the smallest, simplest thing. But what about the big things that, that we have in our lives that we need to do? And the big things that God is asking us to do? I, I know there, there are things that I feel God is wanting me to do that I, I just say that they're impossible. It's impossible. How about to be a dad? To be a husband, to be a mom, to be a wife, to be a son, to be a daughter. How about some of the impossible things that God's asking us to do? I know in my life that it was impossible for me to be a husband. I had no reference point. I didn't know what that was going to be. To be a dad, I had no idea. But... God the Father, thankfully, was there for me. So we're going to look at these verses here from verses 16 to 21 today. And, and this is also another very familiar passage. And you can just say, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. I know what the message is, and let's move on to the next thing because, you know. 
but there's something here. And we can't, I think, I think when we dig into the Word of God, when we get into what it says there, we can find some incredible, incredible jewels and things that can, that, that can help us in our life. Ma- Matthew chapter 19, I put it on the screen for you, says, says this, Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is what? Impossible. Impossible. He says, but with God, all things are possible. I, I was looking at this this morning, and I, and I thought about it earlier, and, I, and so I, I, I went and looked up, well, what are those words, impossible and possible? And I like to look at you know, the words behind the English words. And, and it's, it was very interesting. I never would have thought this, but the word impossible means without power. With man, this is without power. There's no power. There's no strength to do it. It's the word uh, ah, and then the word dunamis. Ah, dunamis, which is like our word for dynamite, which is a biblical word for power, strength. So without power, without strength, with man, it's impossible. But with God, it's dunamis, or a form of that word. It's power. You know, in that passage, he was talking about a rich man, uh, you know, coming to the Lord, a rich man being saved, and, and they, they said, you know, well, well, how could that possibly be? It's like, that's impossible, but, but this is when Jesus said this. He said, with man, it is impossible. There's no power, there's no strength to do it. But with him, all things are possible. So I want to talk about impossible, but without, without possible, what, what hope would that be? If I just got up here and said to you for 25 minutes, it's impossible, it's impossible, it's impossible, now let's all go home. And you would, you would all just be what? like depressed. And you'd say, well, you know, I wish he'd tell me something that I didn't already know. Because I already know that this life is impossible. I already know to do what I need to do is impossible. But Jesus does the impossible. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus does the impossible. That's what we're going to see here. Let's look at verse 16 through 18. When evening came, his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples, they went down to the lake, which is the Sea of Galilee, where they got into a boat and they set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. This is the setting. They're, they're out on the Sea of Galilee, it's dark. It's very windy. It's very rough. And when you look at the other accounts of what happened here, you see that how did they get out on the water? Well, Jesus told them to go out on the water. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, it's dark, it's windy, it's rough, but Jesus told them to go out there. How'd you get out there? Well, Jesus sent us out here. He said, go. You say, well... Jesus is now sending them into danger? But when you look at the context, there was actually more danger where they were. The crowd was wanting to take Jesus and make him king by force, right? They were going to force him, and who knows what could have happened in that mentality of that crowd. It says there in in, uh, that verse, Jesus had not yet joined them. 
You say, well, what, you know, Jesus is there. He's the, he's the master. He's the leader. They're his disciples. And, and he sends them out into danger. And he sends them out by himself. I mean, by themselves. He sends them out. He, he's going to send them out to danger. He's not even going to bother to go with them. But it says that he had not yet joined them. Well, where was Jesus at this time? Anybody know? He was praying. He, was, he, he went up on a mountain. He was by himself. He was alone, it says, and he was praying. Now, let me just add this here, that if Jesus needed some alone time with the Father, I think you and I need alone time with the Father. Some say, well, I need alone time, and that's just an excuse because you're being a punk. But we need to have that alone time with the Father. That's what he did. That's what he was doing. But what, he, was, he was actually praying at the time. He wasn't just up there having a, you know, a time by himself. He was actually speaking. He was praying. The Gospel of Mark says that, says that he could see them where he was. Now, the Sea of Galilee is kind of in a depression, and, and it has like mountains, hills around it. So if he was up on a mountain, he could actually look down and see into the Sea of Galilee and see them down there. But it says that he saw them, they were down there, he saw them, they were straining at the oars. They were straining at the oars. Someone said this, listen, listen carefully. He says, they, the disciples, are on the stormy sea of life. It's dark. The Lord Jesus is nowhere to be seen. But that doesn't mean that he is unaware of what's going on. He's in heaven, speaking to us now. He's in heaven right now praying, interceding for those he loves. The Savior seems far away, but all the time he's praying for us. The Word of God tells us that Jesus is actually interceding for us. He's praying for you. So those times when he think, well, he's not even there, he doesn't see. You know, he sent me into this, and I'm all by myself. We have to remember that he sees, he knows, and he's praying for you. He's praying for me. He doesn't just leave us on our own. But look at verse 19. It says, When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. They saw Jesus walking on the water. Now, they were up there, you know, three or three and a half miles would put them about in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. But it's like they got to this certain point and they just couldn't, they were straining at the oars. They couldn't get any further. I don't know about you, but, but, but I get like that. I feel like that sometimes. I'm, I'm doing everything I can do and I'm not making any progress. Any of you ever feel that way? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting everything I have in this and that's like, like what was happening to them. Three and three and a half miles, but they couldn't get any further. No progress was happening. And they looked up and they saw Jesus walking on water. Well, I have to say that's impossible. Let me, get, let me fill up that baptism and you show me what it's like to walk on water up here. To walk, to defy gravity, to walk on water, this is an impossible thing. Yet, Jesus did it. So, 
this Jesus that we're talking about here, that we've been seeing through the Gospel of John, that He's not just a man, that He's the Son of God, that He has power, that He has power over the laws and the customs of nature. He has, law, he has power over all things. Why? Because He is God. Thank you. So they see Jesus walking on the water, right? And, and, and like that's an incredible thing. That's, a, like, that's not something you see every day. And, and so what happens? It says that they were terrified. They were frightened. They were full of fear. Now, I don't know. I, I kind of think they might have been a little bit fearful being in those circumstances, being on the water and the, and the waves and everything and, and, and how bad, and they feel like they're stuck out there. But many of them were fishermen, and perhaps they faced that kind of thing often. And they wouldn't admit if they were fearful, even if they were, right? Someone said, well, I have pride, so I'm not going to tell you what my problem is, even if, because fishermen are proud. Any fishermen here today? You're not going to tell somebody when you don't catch anything, right? Yeah, you might exaggerate when you do. But it says that they were terrified, and this wasn't they were just a little bit afraid. They were stricken with fear, and they thought, they thought it was a ghost. They thought it was a spirit, and I don't know about you, but there's something about fear that, that strikes the human race. In, in, in all different ways, at all different times. And, and now, this is the, the ironic part about it is, they are stricken with fear. They're terrified when they're looking at who? At Jesus. Now, do you think Jesus wants to, us to be afraid of him? But sometimes, sometimes we like, how, how does this, you know... Jesus is doing something that's defying reality, defying the, the laws of what you know, we know as, as you know, nature or whatever. He's, he's, he's going above and beyond and doing something, and it can get a little frightening. They were frightened by that. But I love what happens in verse 20. Look what it says there. But, they were terrified, but he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. They were terrified. But he spoke to them, you see. And he said, he said this. Matthew adds this as well. He says to them, take courage, or literally means be courageous. They're out on this water now. They see Jesus. Jesus is there. He says, be courageous. It's me. I'm here. He, you know, it's like, I know what's going on, and, and I'm in control, so don't be afraid. You know, this is a message. If, if, talk about a message a, a, about a, a scripture that we could memorize and get into our, excuse me, into our hearts and, and have there at all times. Is this that, that he knows and he sees, and he's telling you and I to be courageous. Yeah. It's me, he says. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. If you went and, and did a search in the Bible about all the times where God is saying, don't be afraid, it's in the hundreds. It's literally in the hundreds. And why is that? Because we're prone to fear. You know, if I asked you, how many have you been fearful today? You wouldn't get up and tell us. 
you're afraid to tell us that you've been afraid today. But that's okay. But I know, you know, this is something that we have to face on a day-by-day-by-day basis in all different ways, shapes, and forms. But what is so, so wonderful to me is that he spoke to them. He gave them his word. His voice came to them. He says, it's, be courageous, it's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. You know what? You and I, we need his word. We need his word every single day. One commentator said this. He said about fear. He said, we often mistake him and we push the panic button. How many of you have one of those? We've got a very large one at home. It's red, big on the wall. But he said this. He said, then we hear his comforting voice and we remember that the waves that cause us to fear are under his feet. That's cool, isn't it? We hit the panic button, but then he'll speak. And, and to hear God's voice, to hear Jesus speak, I believe he does. I, I've talked about this recently, that he wants to speak, that he does speak, and he, and he will speak to you, and, and, and he wants to use his word. He speaks lots of different ways, primarily by his word, never in opposition to his word. But are we listening for it? Do we want to hear his voice? Look what happened. Look what happens there in verse 21. It says, then, verse 20 starts off with, but, they were terrified, but, and then Jesus speaks to them. In verse 21, then, when? After he spoke to them, it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. When they heard his voice, They were willing to take him into the boat, and then an incredible thing happened. Immediately, they were at the shore. You see, another miracle, a miracle of him walking on the water, but there was a miracle, too, that once he got in the boat, it's like that three and a half miles just kind of like went like a zip line. They'd been working hard for hours, not making any progress. Now Jesus is there, and immediately they're there. You see, Jesus can do incredible things in our lives. If we listen for his voice and we ask him, hey, they willingly, it says, they, they accepted him to, and took him into the boat. And immediately some incredible thing happens. Impossible. How could that be? It's impossible. Yes, it is. But Jesus does the impossible. I, I, we have to understand who we're, who we're following or, or, or what good is it? Are you a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus can do the impossible. Jesus can do things that no one else can do. Impossible, yet Jesus does it. Now, I want you to turn back with me to Matthew chapter 14 to hear a little bit more of what happened that day. John doesn't give us this information, but Matthew chapter 14, Matthew tells us... In verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Jesus had just said, take courage, it's me, it's I, don't be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, 
like he wasn't sure. Tell me to come to you on the water. That's kind of interesting. If it's you. Now you say, well, he's kind of like seeking some kind of confirmation, right? He's, he's, he's wanting some, you know, he's putting out a, a fleece maybe. He's asking the Lord, if it really is you, show me. Help me to understand. Help me to see. And he says, ask me to come to you on the water. What does Jesus say? You're an idiot, Peter. Why are you asking for confirmation? Why do you think, why do you, you know, can't you just like that? No, he doesn't do that at all. What does he do? He says, come, come to me. You know, this is the heart of Jesus. You know, we're struggling. We don't know. We don't understand. Is it really you? And what does he say? He says, come to me. That's what he says. He says that over and over to you and to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come to me for answers. Come to me for direction. He answered positively. Again, what is it? It's the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus, Jesus speaking his word. And I want to say, don't go without it. Don't go walking out on water unless Jesus is telling you to walk out on water. So Peter, it says, he got down out of the boat and he walked on the water. And he came toward Jesus. It's interesting, I, I, re- I was reading about this and, and, and someone pointed this out, the direction. Notice the direction. The direction is to Jesus. The, the direction is coming toward Jesus. He's walking on the water, but he's not walking away from Jesus. He's walking to Jesus. That's, that's the direction. And, and, and I love this quote. Now listen to this. This is Spurgeon, right? And you all know Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in England back in the 1800s. And, and he was a good Baptist But listen what he says. He says, you who are wanting to get to Jesus should make a desperate effort to get to him, even walk on water to get to Jesus. In other words, do everything you can to get to Jesus. Walk on water if you have to, whatever it takes to get to him. Sometimes we are just so, you know, haphazard about it. We're just, you know, lackadaisical. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I read my Bible every now and then or Maybe every then, not so much every now. And, and, you know, I don't really do much. You know, I do go to church on occasion, and I put a dollar in the box last week. But to get to Jesus? Like, put a little effort into it. Take a little time. You know, I, I, we, we went up to Fitchburg last week to a church there, and we, and we got to do a, a, a study with with the young adult group, Paul and I did. We did some music and, and did a study. And we talked about Psalm 90 where, you know, where he says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. There's something about having that time, that devotional life. Well, you know, you're not always going to want to get up and say, yeah, I can't wait to spend some time with Jesus. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. We don't want to do it. Somebody mentioned it, one of the testimonies, you know, there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. So we, it's, it's life. 
we got three big enemies in the world. we got the world telling us what to do. we got our own flesh telling us what to do. And then we have Satan, the enemy, telling us, fighting against us. Put a little effort in. Peter, Peter you know, he took a chance, didn't he? He took a step. He, he you know, he, he reached out to Jesus first, and then he said, wow, let's, well, let's, hey, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus had come. He got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he, and he came to Jesus. That's impossible, right? But Peter did it. Peter did it. It's impossible what, what, you know, for you and I to have a relationship with the Almighty God. It's impossible, yes. but we can do it. Yes. We can do it because He makes it possible. Is it easy? Of course it's not easy. It, you know, how many of the, of the wonderful and the best things in life are easy? I mean, for goodness sakes, you... You know, you go to a potluck and you got to wait for your table to be called. I mean, are you serious? I want, it to be, I want to be number one. It's impossible. But at Jesus' word, Peter did it. Is it easy? No. Look what happens in verse 30 and 31. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. The wind was already there, right? It wasn't a new wind. It wasn't anything different than what they had already experienced out there. But when he saw the wind, he looked at the wind, he was afraid. There's that word fear, for fear again. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately... Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You, of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? It wasn't easy. It, no, it was very difficult. And, 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 and there, this lesson that, of course, you know, those of us that are familiar with this passage, we, we, we could know that what is the preacher going to say? Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? We already know that. But how many of us actually do it? Yeah. We know a lot of stuff. We believe a lot of stuff, but do we actually do what we believe? Do we actually fix our eyes, as it says in Hebrews, on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Do we really do it? Oh, I know that story. Jesus walked on water. Peter went out on the water, and he looked around. He looked at all the stuff, and it was scary. He began to sink because he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. I wrote down here, it's the secret. But, but thinking about it, it's not a secret at all. We all know it. That's, it's not a secret. It's the truth. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to look to Him. We've got to keep focused on Him, or we will definitely sink. Definitely. We're going to sink. Yeah. Someone said this, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible. But the minute he became occupied with a strong wind, he began to sink. He cried out. And, and, you know, God is gracious, right? Jesus is so loving and kind. Jesus said, well, good luck. Sorry, Peter. Maybe next time. Peter's going down and down, right? 
No, he reached out his hand, he grabbed him. So, so even though we don't get it right all the time, we, don't, you know, we, we take our eyes off Jesus, we, we then need to reach out and cry out to him. Don't just you know, let yourself keep sinking. Well, cry out to him. Well, I'm not going to do that again. I did that yesterday. Do you think he's going to say, well, you know, your quota for crying out to me is you know, used up for the day. Maybe, maybe, you know, come back next week. By that time, you've already drowned. You've sunk. You're so deep. No, right now, he's beginning to sink, it says. He cries out to Jesus immediately, it says. See that word? Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. Verse 32 and 33, we've got to wrap this up. Because 12.15 is coming awfully quick. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. That's right. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Peter and Jesus climbed back into the boat. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That is so wonderful. That, that is so incredible. They worshipped him. What else can you do? When Jesus meets them there, when Jesus takes away their fear, when Jesus speaks to them, when Jesus uh, you know, rescues Peter from him, himself, from his own lack of faith. But they worshipped him and they said, truly, you are the Son of God. Of God. That's kind of like what the whole gospel of John is pointing to, that Jesus is the Son of God. But read Mark chapter 6 there. It says, Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Is that enough words there? Greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. That's what happened. They're going like, wow, this guy Jesus. They were completely amazed. Utterly astounded, it could be translated. Incredible. That's him. So, impossible. Impossible. We know so many things are impossible, but he is the God of the impossible, and sometimes he asks you and I to do the impossible. I know that. I just know that. I didn't wake up and say, wow, I can, I'm going to do a lot of good stuff today. I, I, I've kind of got my life together. I'm really kind of like, yeah, I could do this. No, I wake up and say, I can't do this, but you can. That's right. It's impossible for me, right. but it's not impossible for you. So get back to the, the question that I began with. Is there anything impossible in your life in, in this world Anything that, that you may be facing, anything that you have faced, anything that you will face, just to live a life following after Jesus. It's impossible. I want to say it. With man, it's impossible. We don't have the power. I'm going to finish with a couple of quotes here. One by F.B. Meyer. He's a He's a commentator, very well-respected commentator. He says this, You do not test the resources of God until you attempt the impossible. You won't know until you try to do something that you know you can't do, and God is you know, putting this thing together for you. Another great 
speaker, preacher, pastor Erwin Lutzer said this, God calls us to live a life we cannot live. He's called us to live a life we cannot live. It's impossible. He said, so that we must depend on him for supernatural ability. Isn't that wonderful? Someone said this back in the 1600s. Things don't change. He says it's impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper or the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. It's impossible. And I like this last one. It's anonymous. It says impossible is a hopeful word for it's a direct invitation to let God in. Impossible is a hopeful word. It's not something where we just get depressed. It's a hopeful word because we now invite God to take over. We don't have the strength, but you do. If you look on your bulletin, I put a quote there for you just to take with you so you have this at home. It says that Christian life is is like walking on water. It's humanly impossible. It's only, it can only be lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as long as we look away from every other object to Jesus only, we can experience a supernatural life. But the minute we become occupied with ourselves or our circumstances, we begin to sink. And then we must cry to Christ for the restoration of divine enablement. That is so true. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You see, he is able to do way more than you and I can even imagine or think. That's the God that you and I serve. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and that he is God the Son, that he has all power. And we serve, we follow the God who can do incredibly impossible supernatural things as we keep our eyes on him, as we, as we focus our lives and hearts upon him. It's not easy, I know that. And, and how many times are we sinking and yet you rescue us again and again. But Lord, our, our heart's desire, our, the, the desire of our spirit is to follow you, to, to keep our eyes focused on you, fixed on Jesus. Help us, Lord, to do that. But Lord, we can't make it without you. We just cannot make it without you. We need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We acknowledge our dependence, our total dependence on you today. Father, I don't know what your people, the people in this room, have in front of them. And it may seem like the, the highest mountain. How am I ever, ever going to get over that? How am I ever going to get to the top of that, behind that? It's impossible, but yet, with you, all things are possible. All things are possible, not just some things. 
And you can get us through. You can get us up and over. Lord, I also want to pray this morning for any. We've heard some wonderful testimonies about people's lives being changed when they asked you to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. And, and maybe there's some here today, Lord, that don't know you, that don't have that relationship. And today, it would be an awesome privilege and honor to be a part of someone giving their lives to Jesus. So we, we, we just going to give you a prayer right now, an opportunity to pray along with me and say, Jesus, I'm lost. I got no hope. I can't do it. Talk about impossible. My life is impossible. So I ask you to come into my life today. Because of what you did, you died on the cross for me, for my sin. You were buried and you rose from the dead, conquering death for me. That was impossible, but you did it. And now you give that life to me. Please come in. I receive you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?